2: Welcome to MindShifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour, and today is Friday, October 13th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's deciding to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link and download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We help people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. If you have any of those, to share with us, we'd appreciate you doing that by giving us a call at 563-999-3581 or send us an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or you can email Jeannie at j-e-a-n-i-e at yagain.org that's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n dot o-r-g If we receive a question or a comment or a feedback from you, we will address it on the Internet show, and then as time allows, send you a notification about what day and time that happens so you can listen back to the archive and get the feedback. If you call 563-999-3581, please press 1 on your phone. That will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll turn on the microphone and then announce you by your area code and we can have a conversation. If you like to say, we greatly appreciate whether people call on the phone or send a voicemail or an email, because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention with this work is to be of service, and that's just a lot easier to do when we get feedback from people about how things are landing for them, What's their level of understanding? How things are working positively or not so positively so we might help people get unstuck? So, let us know how we can support you. We had our support group last night and we had some discussion. We had some intense sharing from different members and then we had an hour about an hour 45 minutes of michael singer explaining his take on who we are and how we can benefit from the question of who are you and digging deep past any thought of I am my body or I am my name or I am my political affiliation into the direct observation of your consciousness as an ability to be aware of objects to observe and to be separate from your thoughts, to be clearly identifying yourself as different than your thoughts about yourself or even the process of thought and that's observable because you can't be something and observe it as though it's something else so you can observe your thoughts so you must not be your thoughts you must be something other than that process of thoughts that internal dialogue that seems endless and often far more negative than positive. So we listen to that. It sparks some comments and discussion and we'll have another group the next Tuesday and next Thursday. My grandmother would say, God willing, and the creek don't rise. So, one of the things that we've been doing fairly recently on this show is reading the book by Diedrich Wolzak, titled Choose Again, The Six-Step Method. And it seems as though that's, being enjoyed by people just based on the number of people that are clicking in and listening, um, the ones we can see in the in the on, um, online switchboard, and yet um, there's a potential for all kinds of other people to be listening that we can't see on the switchboard. I know several people who listen to the show through their computers and um most of them don't sign in, so they don't show up in the chat room, and they don't show up on the switchboard in any way. So just based on the number of people who have been listening, people have been appreciating this. So if we don't get a hand up in the next few moments, I will return to reading. I think we're about halfway through that book Choose again from Diedrich Wolzak, And um, I've been getting some feedback from various people that they're also enjoying the idea of looking at this process of creating my emotions and my experience of life from a slightly different perspective than the one that Dr. Michael Rice presents with his... Reality Management Worksheet. And where we left off with Diedrich Wolzak's book, Choose Again, Six Steps to Freedom, was at the beginning of Chapter 8. And Chapter 8 talks about Step 4 in the Six-Step Process, and that step has been labeled Remember My Ancient Feelings. And he quotes A Course in Miracles at the beginning of that segment saying, Discomfort is aroused only to bring the need for correction into awareness. And I talked about how that reminds me of the Way of Mastery where it says, Any kind of reactivity on my part, any kind of disruption inside me, indicates the need for forgiveness the process of forgiveness as outlined in the way of mastery is the dismantling of false perceptions it's not about pardoning myself or somebody else it's not forgiving myself or somebody else it's recognizing that if i generate a perception that has me feeling a negative reaction that perception is inaccurate it's false And the process of forgiveness is to dismantle those false perceptions. So in this chapter 8, Diedrich writes, following from step 3, now that you're, quote, in the feeling, close quotes, you commit to recall the first time you felt this particular feeling, the earliest memory of that feeling. Use the present feeling, strengthen it, feel it as vibrantly as you can and use it in order to remember the first time you felt that way we're talking about the feeling triggered by the current event not the event itself so you're encouraged to close your eyes and allow the feeling of the moment to guide you back to an early childhood memory of a formational incident give yourself the space to explore it How old were you when you first felt this feeling? This specific vibration of this feeling? What was happening back then? Who said or did what? It doesn't have to be a hugely traumatic event. Whatever memory comes up is the right memory to process right now. Remember, course in miracles lets us know we are never upset for the reason we think the feeling of aggravation that comes up for me when i'm in the express line of the supermarket where one is only supposed to have 10 items and the person in front of me has 12 that is the same feeling that might arise within me when someone doesn't return my phone calls how does that work you might ask well because the feeling is chosen by the same belief that was triggered by each event. That belief, parentheses, in this case perhaps, the belief that I'm not important or I don't matter, close parentheses, that belief was formed in an incident that happened long ago. And it is the memory of that incident that we're after. When I ask a client, is this a familiar feeling? The honest answer is always yes. It might be a no, only if you're absolutely convinced that it's about someone else. It has to be an old feeling, even if not familiar, simply because we don't make new feelings after age eight or so. If it seems to be an unfamiliar feeling, it could mean that the belief that spawned this quote, new, close quotes, feeling has been deeply buried for a long, long time. Remember my own experience of coming face to face with the belief that, quote, I should not have been born, close quotes, and recognize that, yes, it's a familiar feeling. When I do that, it allows allows me to recognize again that the current circumstance is not the cause of the feeling. By acknowledging that, you're ready to let go of pursuing resolution in the current moment story and to go much deeper to the root cause of the upset. We've learned that the story about what's going on in this moment doesn't matter. Whatever is happening right now not in form, but in content, this only seems to be happening now. It just seems to be happening now. It's actually just a replay of an ancient event. This is why in Dr. Michael Rice's seven-step reality management worksheet, after you cancel the the, um, thought and the goal and the emotion and ask to be shown the hidden part of your mind in step five, perhaps if you're working with us on the internet show or a support group you do a little meditation and if you get a memory of the past you make notes about it but then in step six you're asked to go back to the original event and write down what you now understand and for most of us when we get a worksheet process that's in alignment and we're willing to see things, what we see is that the current moment situation is not what's generating all of this upset. It's the same fundamental observation as in the six-step choose-again process. Whatever is happening right now only seems to be happening right now. What's going on inside me is an old familiar pattern that's getting reawakened by the interpretation I'm choosing and placing on today's events. Diedrich goes on and says, the story simply allows us to keep the feeling of whatever we're feeling and somehow we become addicted to. In a very real sense, the dealer for my addiction hides in my story. When I tell a story, it allows me to generate the same emotions over and over and over again. Dietrich writes, let's look at sadness. Like all feelings, sadness is caused by a complex mixture of biochemicals. Every time you experience this sadness, a specific combination of biochemicals is released in your body, thereby reinforcing the feeling. When this happens regularly, you become addicted to those biochemicals, and thus you become addicted to the feeling that sends them into your system. This biochemical reaction was established the first time you ever felt that feeling, and thus it literally became a part of you. The feeling of sadness is a red flag indicating that a mistaken belief about yourself is at play. After noting it, immediately get to work. After becoming familiar with the six-step process, you'll be able to link feelings to beliefs via memories, quickly, in a matter of seconds. In so doing, you will nip that particular biochemical pattern in the bud, very much like putting a glass of wine down after one sip or walking away from an enticing waft of cigarette smoke. Here he quotes, the course, in Miracles as saying, the initial corrective procedure is to recognize temporarily that there is a problem but only as an indication that immediate correction is needed. Close quotes. Dietrich writes, If you choose not to do an immediate correction, however, you are choosing to use your drug of choice, which is the emotion. You're allowing certain feelings to take over simply because your body misses the biochemicals and is actually experiencing a craving for them. Anyone who's ever given up an addiction knows what this craving feels like because you won't feel quite right without that particular biochemical rush. You'll soon be back to sadness. You're an addict, plain and simple. On the other hand, if you don't continue to see yourself as a victim or whichever belief is at play, choosing your own sadness, you can resist the craving. Find the belief, do your forgiveness in this six-step process, and your sadness miraculously vanishes. In order to heal your addiction, you must find the belief that has been triggered. The belief is the real, quote, dealer, close quotes, because it chooses your feelings. In this case, when he's saying dealer, he means drug dealer or pusher, supplier of your drug of choice. He says, after you've identified the main feeling, where does the feeling come from? How old was I when I first felt this very same feeling? And in doing this, realize again that what you're currently feeling has nothing to do with what's happening in the present moment. In the example above, my angry reaction has nothing to do with the fact that my phone calls were not returned or that the person in the grocery store line has too many items, even though my ego is screaming that I know exactly why I'm upset. The first time that I felt that feeling was when a sudden breeze caught my mother by surprise. She accidentally slammed the door, and I awoke with a shock. I am simply replaying my upset of the three-year-old self every time I'm presented with such seeming evidence of not being important. So, the essence of this work, to my eye and ear, is exactly the same as the Reality Management Worksheet. There's deep understanding that I am not upset for the reason I think I am, and that I am not my thoughts or my feelings. I am able to observe them from a distance. If I'm willing to do this work, I can unpack, dismantle, shebag, cancel, put down, walk away from the patterns of belief, the energy patterns, the thought patterns that are so well rehearsed that we call them a belief, which have been driving my reactions in various situations for years, if not decades. The next section in this book is titled, Never Feeling Safe. And Diedrich writes, Julie came to the Center for Healing as a last resort. She had been considering suicide. She found enough hope with us to keep going and to keep coming back for more healing. Julie writes, quote, One of my predominant feelings was the feeling that I was never safe. One day, as a young woman in my late 20s, I had an appointment with my gynecologist. When she was examining me, she told me she saw something unusual, a polyp or something, and she wanted the doctor to have a look at it, which of course I agreed to. However, the next thing I knew, the doctor was cutting inside me, and all of a sudden I had an image of myself at the age of two in the bathtub in a great deal of pain. In a two-year-old's voice, I said to the doctor, stop, stop, you're hurting me. In my mind's eye, then, I went back to the early, deeply buried memory of my mother abusing me in the bathtub. I was shocked as the pieces fell into place. The abuse from her was a violation. One in a long line of them that I was to experience as I was growing up. Close quotes from Julie. Diedrich writes, Julie experienced two traumatic rapes later in her life, but this memory of abuse by her mother was the key to her healing. Sometimes those memories are deeply buried, like Julie's, and at other times you might be surprised at how quickly you will access the memory associated with a particular feeling. Next section is titled, I Am Invisible. Dietrich writes, A few years ago, I had the pleasure of dining with an old friend with whom I used to drink and play sports. On this occasion, we were at a wonderful Japanese restaurant enjoying a lovely meal and some sake. He turned from his drink and said to me, quote, this work you do is really just BS, isn't it? close quotes. I smiled and replied, maybe and then he asked what's it all about as though he was vaguely interested i said well it's about finding a path to real peace and real happiness oh i don't need that he told me quickly i said well i'm so glad to hear that and yes i have been accused of featherlight sarcasm at times and so then i said to him so you're always at peace now, I knew, full well, <clears throat> I knew full well that he was not. He worked 12 hours a day making more money than he could ever spend, and he was riddled with anxiety. In any event, he assured me that he was always at peace. And just at that moment, in the tatami room next to us, a cell phone rang shattering the quiet relaxed mood of the restaurant upon hearing it my friend said that really pisses me off i took this as an opportunity to get to work so this feeling of being pissed off i wondered out loud when and where did you first feel it without missing a beat he replied i'm four years old in ireland and my little sister has just peed in the corner of our living room I continued, so what was the message you may have given yourself about you at that point? His reply was classic. Quote, I am invisible and I do not matter. Close quotes. This belief of unworthiness was why he felt compelled to be in a professional system of overdrive, earning increasing amounts of money to prove that he was not, in fact, invisible, but really rather a force to be reckoned with does this ring any bells the next section is titled the role of parents one of our counselors ted suffered feelings of utter devastation when his female friend of many years did not want to enter into a romantic relationship with him but rather chose to date another man By following these feelings back, Ted retrieved a memory of being five or six years old. Ted reports, My parents had decided to go to a formal ball instead of spending their Saturday evening with me. Up until that time, my parents were always at home and available to take care of me. I couldn't understand why they would want to go out. I felt completely abandoned and devastated by their choice to go dancing, leaving me at home with a babysitter. I just couldn't understand it at all. Diedrich writes, There are times when it may be very difficult to access the memory that triggered a belief and the subsequent feelings, and sometimes a parent can supply the missing information. A man came to see me about 10 or 12 years ago. His life was going well in most areas, but he had one problem. He could not eat in public. He couldn't eat in front of anybody. As soon as he was in a relationship, the idea of having dinner with his partner was unbearable. As you can imagine, this put a crimp in his dating style. So, we spent some time looking at where this may have come from. However, we couldn't find the genesis of his problem, which we can usually uncover in just a session or two. This was not an affliction that you'll find in the DSM-5 yet, so, Diedrich writes, so I asked him, is your mother still alive? And he told me that she was. I said, do you think she might be willing to come to a session? He said he would ask her, and she showed up at our next session. Wherein I asked her, would you tell me about your son's first few days and what was happening for you at that time? She proceeded to explain that he had, she had become pregnant by a man who had left her. She subsequently met another man whom she ended up marrying. However, there was a problem with her new husband. He was pathologically jealous of the natural physical closeness between her and her newborn. And he forbade her to breastfeed the baby. How did she deal with that? Because she couldn't breastfeed in public. She breastfed her baby in secrecy, in private in a closet no doubt she experienced a high level of anxiety hiding to sneak the feeding of her newborn son as a result in the first days of this baby boy's life he picked up the message eating in public is dangerous it's important to see what belief this boy slash man had made up around this issue he picked up on his mother's fear And her fear became his fear. He developed an instinctual belief that if he ate in public, his life would be in danger. Thus, eating in public literally became a life and death issue for him. Neither the mother nor her son had made that link before. But in our work together, the minute the link was established, the forgiveness was completed and the problem resolved. The man could eat in public because the danger was gone. The next section is titled, When Life Gets Too Serious. Diedrich writes, About 10 years ago, a man in his early 40s was referred to me by a colleague. She had worked with him for a few months, but then referred him to me because they'd reached an impasse. He was deeply depressed, and there appeared to be no way to budge his depression. He was a financial analyst based in New York who worked hard at his job and made a lot of money but there was clearly no joy in his life. He sat in front of me in a cloud of gray. His face was gray, his clothes were gray, his energy level was a deep gray, and he said, I am clinically depressed. What are you gonna do about that? My reply to him was, depression is an interesting choice. Why do you think you're choosing it? Well, at this he became agitated. I'm clinically depressed. My father was clinically depressed. My grandfather was clinically depressed. I guess you didn't hear me the first time. It took the rest of our session together to have him even consider the possibility, however remote, that depression might just be a choice he was making. In the second session, we started to explore feelings. Because of his depression, he was unaware of his feelings other than this all-pervasive dullness we then did our first six-step process and here is what it revealed when he was a little boy about three years old he was playing in his parents garden and he found a beautiful beetle eager to share his find with his father he ran into his daddy's study his father was a prominent brain surgeon a very serious man And the study was a very serious place. It contained lots of important-looking books, black leather furniture, and not a lot of color. This happy little boy ran into his father's study shouting, Daddy, Daddy, look what I found. His important father, who was sitting at his important desk, turned around and raised an eyebrow. That was it. The child's elation was deflated. And all of the joy he was feeling in that moment drained out of him. And this is all that it took for this little boy, now a middle-aged man, to be absolutely clear that joy was not to be a part of his life. He got that message loud and clear. Or rather, he made up that message loud and clear because his father hadn't said a word He and I proceeded to do a few more six-step processes around this issue. I saw him one more time after that, and three years later I received a beautiful card from him telling me he had gone back to university, become an elementary school teacher, and was working harder than ever for a fraction of what he'd earned before while feeling happier than he ever thought possible. His clinical depression, once diagnosed as treatment-resistant, had lifted entirely. His joy in life had been restored to the pre-Beatle levels. Next section is titled, Getting Past Denial. Dietrich writes, Sometimes people are afraid to look at their feelings, and they develop a habit of denying them. They may say, Well, my life is great. I was upset, but now I'm okay. And they just want to leave it at that. I suggested to one woman that she notice her feelings by writing them down on a daily basis because she was tending to gloss them over in the group. This practice eventually revealed memories of her mother comparing her to her sister. Throughout her life, she needed to prove to her mom that she was good enough. This woman realized that she was still trying to prove to her mom that she was good enough, hence her very successful business. She spent her life compensating for feeling not good enough by being better than anyone else. So before we move to step five, don't forget to check in with the level of emotion you're feeling in the memory that you have retrieved in this step. Go into the memory and make a note of how big that feeling is on a scale of 1 to 10, as described in Chapter 4. You'll need to review this number when you've completed Step 6. By now, you may feel a little overwhelmed by all this information. And I just can't resist. I have to ask, is being overwhelmed a familiar feeling? I appreciate that this is a lot of radical information to to take in, so... The invitation is to hang in there because this can be your ticket to freedom. This will work, and this work will take you to a very powerful place. I I have vivid memories of hearing almost exactly the same words and ideas from Dr. Michael Rice in his seminars. Dr. One of his favorite questions is when people say, this is what's happening for me and this is what I'm feeling, and Dr. Michael Rice will say, okay, let's take a breath. How does that look like the rest of your life? Is feeling overwhelmed a familiar feeling? So here's the summary of Chapter 8. Point number one, the powerful feeling of the moment can always be traced back to an early formational incident Point number two, you are never upset for the reason you think. Point number three, we become biochemically addicted to repeating powerful feelings. Point number four, the more serious our feelings, the more likely they are to be denied or diagnosed instead of having us take responsibility for them. So that's the summary of chapter eight and we have some time for comments and questions we've got about 20 22 minutes left five six three nine 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 three five eight one my preference would be to entertain a comment or a question about this process up to date rather than Moving on with Chapter 9, but that's going to take participation from somebody outside the studio here, the studio being my office. So what are you feeling about this? What are you seeing? Are you seeing the same similarities that I'm seeing and feeling with Diedrich Wolzak's Six-Step Process and Michael Rice's Seven-Step Worksheet? 563-999-3581. And press 1. Or not. Because this is a free country. You get to do whatever you want to do. I am... uh... Grateful to area code 618.
0: You're in the air. Hey, Dr. Tim, this is Gail. I'm calling because oh, yeah. I got kicked off the call. Hi. Um, great support group last night. Thank you. Um, the reason why I was calling or pressed one was because I got kicked off the call while you were reading about Julie, and I was wondering if you could repeat that particular story in and what you read, um, she had gone, okay, uh, what, the last words that what, I heard.
2: What What did you hear about Julie?
0: Um, That she went to her gynecologist, and her gynecologist said that um, he saw or she saw something um, unusual, and then, boom, yes. I was gone. Yeah. So. Yeah,
2: and, and what happened was they said, uh, I want the doctor to take a look at it. And then she, she said, okay, and the next thing she knew the gynecologist was cutting something inside of her because it was a polyp or something. And she just started screaming in a little girl's voice, stop it, stop it, you're hurting me. And it triggered her memory of her mother abusing her in the bathtub. And Julie, in previous chapters, had been identified as a person who's had two, at least two rapes in her life. Okay. later in life.
0: I I that too. Okay.
2: Yeah. So this was the origin of that and while the rapes were very traumatic, until she recovered this early memory of being two or three years old in the bathtub, she didn't get the kind of relief that she was looking for. But once she uncovered that early trauma and did the release process or the six step forgiveness process she got tremendous shifts.
0: Okay, very good.
2: And he, very good. And Thank and you then for used,
0: recapping that.
2: Yeah, he used it as a part of an example that there are times when people do this process and they get tremendous results right away. And they can remember the earliest memory and the download of negative belief, etc. And yet he wants us to understand that that's not always the case. We might be um, very, very afraid of and therefore very defensive of that original event. You might call it a trauma or uh, whether it's traumatic to anybody else or not, the download, the event that happened around us downloading this negative belief about ourselves might be locked in our system in such a way that we are completely convinced we can't survive facing it. And in that case, it's going to take a number of repetitions of a process like this, whether it's the reality management worksheet or the six-step choose-again process, before we demonstrate to our fearful part of ourselves that we are really willing to see and process that original trauma. So he's presenting several situations where there's quick resolution, but he also wants us un, uh, to understand that not every situation resolves so quickly. Does that make sense? Very
0: good. Well, I'm glad. Yes, uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was thinking when you first started, you know, when you first started her story, you know, this story where she went back to where she, you know, Went to the gynecologist and that happened um, I was thinking that that was The original Julie from You know stories before that Had been the woman that had been raped twice And the yeah. last time That she was raped like she Escaped it the first time And then you know went back to You know her apartment And then the the guy Returned right, um, To finish their job so to speak So I was wondering if that was the same one And um, I think it's very interesting that I was cut off the call, you know, during during that. So I don't um, know what that was all about. But anyway, and now, now I know well, the rest but, of the story.
2: But, right. But anyway, it gave you a chance to demonstrate to yourself that you're willing to see and hear stories like that. Just in case right. there might be some similar energy in you somewhere.
0: Yes. Agreed. And I kept calling in. I called in probably five times and I was just about ready to text you and say, are we having technical difficulties again? And by the, like the fifth call, then then I was able to get back on and um, you were telling, I can't remember the next story that was being told. Um, but it, you know, you'd obviously gone through the Julie story. So, okay. Excellent.
2: All right. Well, thank you for the call.
0: You Thanks are welcome. for listening. Thank you.
2: Anything else you want to add or, or ask about?
0: At, at this time, no.
2: All right.
0: Uh, uh, we'll, something that I discovered, too, is that if I wasn't going to get back on the call, and this may be helpful to somebody else um, that may be ordering the book, but, you know, uh can't stand to wait. Wants to read. Um, it's on Scribed as well, um, which is a, a which is a subscription, basically like Audible, but you do pay like eleven dollars a month in order to be able to read the books. So it, it's on there as well. And so I was gonna I was gonna hunt down the story if I didn't get back on the call.
2: All right. Well, I appreciate it. I'll mute you so that you can listen to the second. Part of this, last part of this, then, the second hour, if you're so inclined. Blessings. Thank you for the call. And we've got about 15 minutes left if anybody wants to piggyback on that comment or make your own. Um, as I mentioned, we are, we have just finished the eighth chapter of Dietrich Wolzak's book, Choose Again, Six Steps to Freedom, and... I'm seeing all kinds of overlap and parallel work to the seven-step worksheet process and hoping you are as well. I was listening to the Course in Miracles Made Easy this morning and um, there's just so much I was talking yesterday about special relationships and the, the way that Course in Miracles warns against special relationships or the danger in special relationships and how so many people when they when they hear that they have tremendous resistance coming up because somehow or another they interpret it as as the Course in Miracles telling them that they shouldn't have close relationships with anybody. That they should be like some kind of a monk in a cave. And that's not what's being talked about. It's all about understanding your true wholeness and entering in a relationship with the intention of extending that true wholeness and understanding that any blockages to you doing that are within you and so that if any of those blockages or irritations come to your awareness through your interactions with somebody else, it's just the healing process. It's an opportunity to heal anything that's less than love that comes up in you. And that when you have an intense affection for someone, you're either working with them or they're part of your immediate family or they're part of somebody that you're dating or married to. These are the most fertile ground for transformation because the energy exchanges are more intense, because your unconscious is resonating more deeply. When you recognize the gifts that these relationships bring, eventually you'll learn to thank everyone who's ever walked by your side, whether for a moment or a lifetime. And all of your relationships will bless you forever. Another aspect of that book that I was listening to this morning is talking about the difference between the picture and the frame. And he talks about how Vincent Van Gogh, during his lifetime, he basically couldn't sell pictures. And he got depressed and committed suicide because he felt so unappreciated. And his pictures were sold in bundles, not for the picture, but because people thought the frames would make good kindling firewood. And... The analogy that Alan Cohen uses is for most of us in the Western world, we're we're trained to focus almost exclusively on the picture frame, on the size and shape of the body, on the size of the bank account, on the fanciness of the car, etc., and not really pay that much attention to the quality of the person. And your value as a person is not dependent upon how much money you have or how slender you can make your body or how many hundreds of thousands of dollars you can spend on a fancy wardrobe. And understanding that is an essential first step to being able to build a relationship. If you make the mistake of thinking that you are your body or that the person that you're in love with, you're only in love with them because of their body, then you're dooming yourself and your partner in that case, if he or she agrees to it, to chasing after the picture frame and ignoring the substance of the picture itself. So, there are many ways in which the essence of the message from Course in Miracles and Way of Mastery helps us really focus on what's critically important. What's the, the essence? Like, we were listening last night to the Michael Singer talk I was talking about earlier. And the entire talk last night was all about who are you really? What's your true nature? What are you, your words? Are you your thoughts? Are you your body? Are you essence of you? And when you can tune into that and understand it, at a core level, you get freed up from all of the negative mental emotional machinations of the ego. You get to step back and watch them and see them as completely false. And uh, as you deepen that practice, you basically end up tapping into the peace that passes all understanding. And unless we do that, unless we get into the essence of our being and tune into that and then learn to extend that in every interaction with everyone and everything, then we're caught up in the rat race. We're caught up in the fear-based thought structure that we call the ego. So everything about the Reality Management Worksheet and everything about Diedrich Wolzak's six-step process is designed to help us remove everything that's less than that true nature, which in this case we call love, from our mind-body-energy system. And if you have any inclination that this is a process you'd like to get better at tap into the 24 and a half minute PowerPoint presentation by Bill Costantino that's available through the uh, YouTube channel of Michael and Genie's. and uh, you'll get a deeper understanding of the mechanism and then whenever you go to use any of these tools it will probably grab better. It will probably get you deeper results quicker because an understanding of the process and a willingly to let go of the thought process and cancel everything that your conscious logical mind is telling you should be happening is a really useful way to process this work. Sorry, code five four one. You're in the air. Is this Belinda? Yes, it is.
3: Thank you. I just wanted to encourage you to continue with the uh, Dietrich Wolzak reading. I'm getting a lot out of it.
2: All right. <laughs> All right. I appreciate the feedback. I um, I appreciate the tool. I appreciate how. What I've realized is talking about this over the past few weeks, both in the support group and um, on the internet show and with people in, in sessions who are, who are participating in the support group, et cetera, what I'm realizing is that I have uh, started blending in some of those questions. What am I making this mean? What did I make it mean about myself? what's the hidden negative belief into my processing with people when we're doing the reality management worksheet. And um, it was was interesting for me to realize it hadn't even been a conscious effort to integrate the work, but it's been happening.
3: I also appreciate um, your weaving in these other books like the ACM ACIM Made Easy by Cohen, and other books, uh, Zen, what was it, The Tao Made Easy by Mr. Cohen. Uh, And I really appreciate those because um, um, whatever triggers me is, oh, that sounds really interesting. I I have experience to be uh, a next lead for my integration, and I just really appreciate it. And joy, when you read about the no joy in that gentleman's life today, that was another message I realized that I downloaded. That um, I don't, um, it's not okay to be joyful. So that was
2: that's, helpful. That's a That's a big one for a lot of people and they don't realize it. Yep. I
3: would, yep.
2: I would imagine at least half of the people that are, as Diedrich would say, are choosing depression are doing so because they're holding a belief that that's what they're supposed to be doing, that that's the only thing that makes them members of their family or acceptable to their family of origin, et cetera.
3: Yeah, that is really huge for me.
2: Well, you know, it, it, uh, I, I, as I said, this is the same kind of message from the Re- Reality Management Worksheet and the Choose Again Six-Step Method, whether you say, in Michael's work, my thoughts create my emotions, or you say in Diedrich's work, my hidden negative beliefs choose my emotions whenever they're resonated. For me, that's the same message.
3: Uh, and so anything Bell. we
2: can do, anything we can do to get clear about that, and interrupt that process, frees us up from having to buy into it and believe it and deal with the consequences of believing it.
3: You also mentioned uh, Vincent Van Gogh, or it was mentioned, I think, in Mr. Cohen's book. Um, you mentioned about that. How, are you familiar with Don McLean's? Uh, album. I don't remember the name of the album uh, of Star, well, you Starry know, this, Night. This,
2: yeah, this world was never meant for one as beautiful as you. Yeah,
3: right, right, yeah. I've held that song in my heart for as long as I remember when the album first came out.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a truism for a lot of people that you know the the common belief of the culture has people believe that they have no worth because they're not fitting in with the culture but it's really, really important to recognize that fitting in you know in a in a, a sick or an unhealthy culture doesn't make you normal or healthy normal it might make you you know in terms of the average, but it's right. a real it's a real sad thing to try and fit into a culture that's based on anger and fear and judgment and comparison. And so, oh, All right. really well, thank sad you for the comments. Right. That's
3: what a really were you going to say? Thing. A really sad thing to uh, need to fit into a really sad, sick culture <laughs>
2: yep. Yeah. Well, I will mute you so you can listen to the second hour. Thank you for your contributions. I'm going to remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will turn on the microphone for and welcome Jeannie Rice. Welcome, Jeannie Rice.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. Good conversation.
2: Thank you. Have a wonderful show.
1: Thanks. Have a good weekend. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Munchifters Radio. And today is Friday, October the 13th, 2023. And our call-in number is 563-999-3581. And press one and that puts you into queue to talk to us and we would love to hear your comments and questions, your show. And while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, I looked up the the song by McLean on Vincent and the lyrics to it and it talks about you took your life as lovers often do, but I could have told you, Vincent, this world was never meant for one as beautiful as you. Starry, Starry Night. Portraits hung in empty halls, frameless heads on nameless walls, with eyes that watch this world and can't forget, like the strangers that you've met, the ragged men in ragged clothes, a silver thorn of bloody rose, lie crushed and broken on the virgin snow. Now I think I know what you tried to say to me, how you suffered for your sanity, and how you tried to set them free, but they would not listen, they're not listening still. Perhaps they never will. You're going to do that for me. I'm going to do this. Powerful, powerful words. And so we appreciate you being with us today. And uh, we did have a global book club last night. I don't have the link yet. I'll have that on the website as soon as Yinka sends it to me. And uh, she said that she's, there's something going on uh 26th, um, I think her kids are out of school or something for fall break anyway, she's, uh, so there will not be a book club on October the 26th, I'll get that change made on the website uh, here just momentarily. And so we're glad to have you with us, if you're on a station where we can't see you in the Uh, chat room or on the switchboard. Our calling number again is 563-999-3581. And press one and a little hand goes up and I know you want to talk. And we would love for the conversation to go in the direction that you would like to see us go. So ask your questions. It certainly helps. And we are here to support you. And if we don't know how you need support, And we're kind of at a loss there. We just have to go monologue. Hopefully you gather the jewels that are presented through the monologue. But if you have a question or have a challenge or need support, that is why we're here. So press 1. And I'm not sure Michael's outside, so hopefully he has paid attention to the timing. And we'll be getting in with us. Uh, Continue to hold the space for Bob in Australia. He joins us usually, and he hadn't been with us for a while, but he's having some physical challenges. So hold this in his direction to Australia, and uh, there's um, Michael's coming in now. So, alrighty, he's going to be dialing in. He was out in the garden, so. What can we help support you? Chat room that have been with us continually, and we're thankful for you all to be here with us. And um, like I said, we've made a few changes on the website, so go to whyagain.org and look around. And if you find something that's not working, please drop me a So, uh, 5, 6 three, nine, nine, three, three, five, eight, one, and press so. Okay, I guess I get to do a monologue until he gets in. If you weren't with us earlier this week, we did get changes made to the Google app. Uh, We'll be making the same changes to the Apple iPhone app. And they're not actually changes to the app itself, so you may not even notice the difference. Uh, they required us to update the app so that it's compatible with the latest operating system. And at the end of the year, so if you need a charitable deduction for your taxes, you make that donation. Drop me a line at genie, J-E-A-N-I-E, at Org, and let me know so I can get a receipt to you to help you out in that, that perspective. So, uh, we had Aria yesterday. Actually, I was playing with her while Michael was doing the book club. and um, It was funny because actually her dad had forgot to tell me he was off, and he and I both were in line at the school. And so I picked her up, and then before I pulled out, I was getting her locked into her seat belt. And uh, they said, oh, somebody else is in line asking for Aria Shaw. and. So I knew that it was Ryan, and I called him. And when Aria heard, he said, you know, he was off. And I said, well, I'll pull over, and, you know, we can exchange her into your car. And she goes, no, I want to go with NeNe. <laughs> I took her to the park, and we played for a while. And uh, she's just, she is a jewel. She keeps us rocking. And we did, we bought her, you know, pay attention to the books and things that you get, especially coming up on Christmas time. And uh, she had picked out a book, How Dinosaurs Learn to Be Kind, and uh, Michael was going to read it to her and got just a page or two in, and it was terrible messages that they were giving. They they started off just naming page after page after page of things that the dinosaur did that was not loving and eventually got to How to Be Loving, but those are just terrible thoughts to put in a, a little mind, and so we actually sent the book back. So if you... Have little ones, and you're thinking of ordering them a book. Make sure what kind of book it is before you actually give it to them. And Michael has joined us now. So I'm going to say, welcome, Michael.
4: My apologies, sweetie. Thank you for holding up things. Uh, I lost track of time out working on the compost pile. So, in any event, yeah, that book was just amazing. To, literally two thirds of the book about, was about what, you know, did the dinosaur hide, you know, Grandpa's glasses? Did the dinosaur splash his little brother? Did the dinosaur mean, did every terrible thing a kid could do, you know, every you know thing that's out of order, and and then there were about three pages of well, here's what you do, and uh, you know that's kind of the game of the world is. You know, it's it's interesting in the uh, in the Aramaic language the word discipline has nothing to do with beating a little kid up. The word discipline comes from the root disciple, and means properly taught. And language is is a way that meanings are conveyed.
2: You know,
4: that's so it's so powerful. It was even acknowledged by Vladimir Lenin. Here's a guy who probably has responsibility for more deaths on planet Earth than any human being in history, more murders. And <clears throat> He said, if you want to destroy culture, change the meaning of its words. Get people locked into negative meanings. Tell them you're doing the right thing. You know, it's just like a a certain politician recently literally said, don't believe your eyes. I mean, it's so 1984. It's just amazing. And, uh, you know, everything is reversed. And so waking up to the truth of who we are as human beings and making sure, especially that the little ones are disciplined, properly taught, got nothing to do with being beat up, but rather to understand how the life and alignment and expression of a human being, a life-based in love, functions. How to stand in that stead. And it doesn't come from words that are about what you don't want to do. I had the opportunity to share some space with a, a woman and her young daughter just a couple of days ago. And it was appalling. I was there. I was in their presence for about a half an hour. A really sweet little, you know, about three. And every instruction she gave the child, there was a dog there. There were some other kids there. And every instruction she gave the child is why why she didn't want her to do what she didn't want her to do don't do that or you'll break it don't do that or it'll make a mess don't do that don't do that don't do that and you listen to the culture how many people oh I don't ever want to be in a relationship with somebody like that again oh I'm never gonna have a relationship with an abuser again oh I'm never going. I'm never I'm never I'm never and regulatory speech and this is part of our laws of living course regulatory speech is literally how the frequency of words organizes your physiology your cellular chemistry your emotions your creative expression and it comes out in your words And if you're always expressing about how you're really clear about what you don't want, then guess what you're creating? You're creating exactly what you don't want because you put it into the world of frequency. So if I say don't think about the color of your car, notice what fires in brain cells. Something about the color of your car. Oh, I don't ever want to be in relationship with a hater again. So what vibration, if you recognize energetically that every thought we think is an energy, that's motion, and that motion creates an energy wave, who gets called in when someone's really emphatic about, well, I never want to be in a relationship with a hater again? Guess who's coming to join the fray? The vibration, the energetic dynamic of the words Just send out a message to resonate and attract haters. And this is one of the reasons why people come to the conclusion, well, the whole world is like that. It's because that's all they see, because they only see themselves reflected in the world. So definitely cleaning up one's regulatory speech is a key in the process. And when you look at, you'll notice in step three in the worksheet where we're asking you to look at the goal that's driving your perception, you'll notice it says the constructive result that I want. Sometimes people have difficulty finding the goal that they're working toward. The easy way to establish what the goal is in any worksheet that you're doing and you'll notice if I do that with somebody on the radio show, somebody calls in and I say, what's your goal? Oh, well, I don't know. You know, I just don't want anybody to abuse me. Or, yeah, but what do you want? Well, I don't want anybody that will abuse me. Yes, but what do you want? Well, I already told you. I don't want people to abuse me anymore. Isn't it interesting that the mind that's stuck in that can't think? I want to be treated lovingly, gently, and with respect in people's thoughts, words, and actions, and whether I'm in their presence or not. That's what I want. So you'll notice that when I'm doing a worksheet with someone, if they're, I'm not sure what my goal is, I don't know what my goal is, then my question's simple. Well, looking at the situation, what's the ideal result? if, If you could say this is exactly how you want it to turn out, what would your words be? There's your goal. Simple. But people go, oh, I don't know, I don't. And it's because the mind has been so structured with what we don't want, what we're trying to avoid. So watching one's own speech, you know, go way back and we hear in ancient literature, Shakespeare says, my words fly up, my thoughts remain below the unconscious Yeshua 2,000 years ago put such an emphasis there and that's the root of our laws of living course Yeshua said the power of life and death is in our words what do you suppose are the words of death and what do you suppose are the words of life I don't want a hater in my world I want someone to treat me lovingly, gently, and with respect. Which ones represent life and which ones represent death? And most people's language is drawing them and driving them and creating death with just about every word coming out of their mouths. You listen when the guys or the girls get together in the coffee or the beer clutch. What are they all talking about? Oh, what's wrong with them? It's really uh, a powerful piece of information to have that the constructs of our mind, which we use words to describe, always tell us first and foremost about the content of our minds. So when one wakes up to, oh, I see, I'm a creator. And if I think about what I don't want, I'll get it. And so now I'm going to focus on only what I do want. And guess what that means? That means you have to restructure your whole speech system. I mean, it's a major piece of work to come out of a culture that's all about what they don't want and restructure the language to even be able to conceive of or start to think about what they do want. And it's interesting, you know, with Aria, she's only five, and we work to keep the speech constructive, and sometimes I have to stop in what I'm saying and get conscious about my own words because I came up in a culture that was the culture And so to always be referring to and looking at what you do want and then to teach the little ones, you know, we talk to Ariana. and she gets into upset, we'll guide her into looking at what it is that you want. Notice that a minute ago you were really happy and bubbly and delighted. And now that you've decided on a goal and you're not having your goal met, you go into upset. Guess what? That upsets an energy inside of you, sweetie. And you know what? You can remove it. You can get rid of it. You don't have to get lost in it. We've been so blessed. I mean, it was, you know, she's five now. We've taken care of her from day one. Actually, the first three months, the kids had, had uh, both had maternity leave, so we didn't see much of her. And there's never been anything that even resembles the terrible twos. Jeannie was sharing with me yesterday, I don't know, did she say anything about that, that she had taken Aria to the park and it was time to go. And it was the first time. And, you know, we're working with her mom and dad with the language as well, although we have to be careful. The first time yesterday when Jeannie said it's time to go, she literally ran off. It's like, what's going on here, sweetie? What are you doing? We agreed it was time to go, right? Not a dress down, just discipline, properly taught. A conversation in words about what we want to create together rather than what we don't want to create together. You know, I think back, we've had her, I don't know, I guess anywhere from maybe 15 to 30 hours a week for five years, and aside from, you know, she'd actually fall and hurt herself, actually li- really actually hurt herself, and maybe heard her cry a total of two hours, and her conversation generally, and you know, there are learning opportunities, she's part of our family system too, she's an expression of generations and generations and generations of speech, But when you really build the brain cells for that and you start listening at people's speech, pardon me, listening to people's speech, it's mind-boggling. And then you start looking at what people are living with, and they're living with an exact analog of their speech because that's how creatorship works. So in arenas where... You have challenges. Gee, I don't even know how to language that. There's where your worksheet processes are. The reason why it's difficult to language the constructive result is because there's so much emotional energy and so many thought disorders around the negative result. That's why it's difficult to come up with what's the constructive result. What is it I really want to head for? So it's all a process, and... We are here to enhance the process. We are here to support the process. We are here to learn ourselves on deeper and deeper levels on an ongoing basis, and we do it every day. We get pieces of our own puzzles. We get to look at our own stuff over and over. Sometimes as a result, and thank you, of someone calling in and resonating it for us. And our commitment is to keep raising the bar into higher and higher states of acknowledging, languaging what is desired and forgiving as to what is not desired. Thoughts for you, Jeannie?
1: I just thought of two things that she did yesterday that, you know, it just proves that, you know, she's she's learning and she knows. Um, Michael had gotten her some interactive books where she would, the one we were working on, There were animals that were made out of food and you had to spell the name of the animal. And she did really well with that. And then uh, it had a space for you to draw your own. And so she started to draw one and she goes, oh, we'll make this out of whipped cream. She goes, oh, no, nope, Papa might see it. We're not going to use whipped cream. <laughs> so, you know she's
4: because of and, sugar and whipped cream and <laughs> i have an right. ongoing conversation with arya about sugar her mom yeah. her, her her relative without mentioning names relatives are addicted to sugar themselves and so just stuff it down mm-hmm. her throat And so it's an an interesting ongoing conversation. But I I had to laugh when she said, oh, Papa's going to see it. We're not going to use whipped cream, you know, to shape an animal out of food. She said, no, we're not going to do that.
1: Yeah, and then we have found a, a marshmallow that it's still not the healthiest, but it's healthier than the standard marshmallow that you get. And so when she comes over, one of the first things she wants is two of our marshmallows. And I only had one yesterday, and I gave it to her. And she goes, do you have more? And I said, no, we're out. And she goes, well, it's a good thing I'm not coming tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's hilarious how her little mind thinks.
4: It is. It's pretty awesome. And I have a, a water jug. It's a small portable water unit. And it injects hydrogen into the water. Basically, when you drink hydrogen water, you're drinking antioxidants. So she caught on to this hydrogen water and we've got a water dispenser downstairs and Jeannie will say, oh, you want some water? And she'll say, oh, no, I, I drink Papa's water and she'll come upstairs and get hydrogen water. <laughs> it's hilarious. So learning, oh, golly, I just, I wish that uh, as a kid the upbringing had been based in Living a life of creatorship, conscious creatorship, and honoring acknowledging, interacting consciously with each other so we're we're committed to giving her a uh, a leg up uh, an, an education that uh, gives her the opportunity and and it'll just uh, i mean one of the things that I often think about when I watch her expression now at five is oh my god to watch her what's she gonna what's she gonna do with doing the world what's what's it gonna be like being around her at 25 because she's already just so conscious and so you know moving in the direction would have been a nice gift to have had as a kid but oh well so miss something else about oh go ahead
1: i was just gonna say something else and i didn't tell you about this we were talking about um I don't even know what brought up the Lion King, and uh, she asked me if I had seen the movie, and I said yes, and she said that was terrible when the I can't remember his name, the the bad lion. Um, Mufasa let go of of the dad lion, and the dad lion got killed. And she said, but did you notice later in the movie that the dad lion was up in the clouds and looking down? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, that's you know, people change frequency and I said just like G-pop you know he left his body here but I said you know now he's you know up in the clouds and so you know it was, it's pretty cool how even movies that she watches she catches little things like that
4: I don't remember the name of the film that we took her to back oh it's probably what six months ago maybe more and there was a kid's movie out it was one I don't know, one of the minions or something like that. It was
1: like no, it was uh, what pets do when the people are gone or something like that.
4: Oh I right. Think it was called yeah. pets. And it was cute the first few minutes and then it started to get into viciousness. These you know, pets are talking there and what and they're getting vicious with her and she's like this isn't good. I don't wanna watch this And so we left. <laughs> you know, like, Okay, you got it, girl. <laughs> so yep.
1: And we have a hand up.:
4: oh, Well, let's say hello to the hand.
1: All right. I think it's Ms. Selinda 541. You're on the
4: air. Yes, it is. Well, welcome, young lady. How are you?
3: I'm doing well, thank you. In the middle of processing, and that feels good. And I'm very happy about um, learning what I've been learning from both of your radio shows. Thank you.
4: Awesome. How can we support you today?
3: Well, you mentioned something about books for Aria if we want to send a book for her Christmas present, and I wonder if she's familiar with the Ranger Rick books.
4: I'm um, not, so I don't I'm as not far familiar as I know she it. is, and I don't think her parents have introduced her to well, an outdoor
3: series. series. Uh, yeah, a nature series basically. And Oh, cool. I don't it's Ranger Rick from the National Wildlife Federation, and I, ha- I happen to pick up on the free shelf of our local secondhand store, um, zoo books, Ranger Rick zoo books, and uh, the fish that climbs trees, a beetle that boils liquid. There's the zoo books. The reason rhinos are bad tempered. The truth about armor quote-unquote armor, and, you know, they're, so I thought I'd send them, but I wanted to make sure that they were okay, before uh, that you would peruse them first. I was thinking about just sending them on. Sounds yeah. awesome.
4: I it think, is. you know, she really loves the outdoors, and so that would be cool.
3: <laughs> I'll just slip them in the mail for her. And Jeannie, as soon as I find out from you whether she's interested in my Japan story from being a little girl, um, I'll take your cue. As you mentioned, I'll take your cue and send some more.
1: Yeah, she it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, we do sort of like the Montessori where they let the child lead and, like, she was really interested into these eggs that you crack open and there's a dinosaur in it, and, and she loved right. them. And, and we got her a set that had twelve. She cracked open one, and she's not been interested in doing it again since then. So the other 11 are sitting here, and when she gets interested again, it'll be here for her.
4: Was well, that probably six I weeks ago? It. She just did one?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: That's the way I feel about the truth exactly. When she's If she's ready or when she's ready or if she's not ready, if she's not interested, it doesn't matter. I just wanted to uh, support her any way I could.
4: Cool. Well, that's awesome. We would much appreciate that. Thank you.
3: Yep. So I'll just let uh, wait for your cue to tell me what to do, Jeannie. If you can just text, that would be perfect. Okay. I'll do it. And awesome. I will send the two cool. books off to you so you can look through them and decide Sweet. whether, um, I think they are very positive, I think, and trying to understand the animals rather than then label them and uh, learning it's like learning to appreciate them rather than to fear them so that's i think it'll be wonderful
4: sounds perfect
3: all right thank you. exactly that's
4: exactly like what she'll love all right
2: appreciate Great. it thank and you thank also, you thank you
3: um i do want to say as i did want to share please keep talking along the things you're talking they're just exactly what i Oh, what the doctor has ordered for me, that inner physician. <laughs> so go for it.
4: Sweet. Sweet. Right. Well, we're here to support. So
3: all right. Contribution's coming.
4: All right. Mm-hmm. Mucho gusto.
3: All right.
4: Okay. Take care.
3: Bye now. Have
4: a blessed one. All right. Uh-huh. So we've got about thirty minutes left. Thirty minutes of conversation about these tools can just change somebody's life. Maybe yours, if you're the one who calls in with a question, or maybe somebody who's listening, you know, maybe you call in and, and share a change. You know, I really appreciated what Terry was saying yesterday when he called and sharing what had impacted him because, you know, people who aren't aware that that kind of shift, that kind of impact is possible, hear it and bingo all of a sudden you see those kinds of changes taking place. So it's pretty cool. And if you're out there in listener land and you're listening on one of those stations where we can't see you, our call-in number is 563-999-3581. 563-999-3581. If you call that number, you're listening directly to the show. And then if you push 1 we'll be having a conversation. So we would love to hear from you. What's on your mind? And one of the things that uh, we'll invite everybody to do as a community, that we join and share in tapping into that love exchange exercise. And especially for all the trauma that's happening and the Middle East right now, that whole circumstance between Hamas, the Palestinians, Israelis, just holding a space for healing, extending love in your direction, being with every other person who's part of this community. We'll take the time to tap in and extend that presence of love. make it available on a global scale. That's what we're here to do. You know, there are a lot of crazy things happening in the culture politically. You know, the suffering that's going on for people who are fighting for their political lives, for their spiritual lives, for their financial lives. You know, whatever, you know, insanities they've done holding the space for healing extending love in that direction miss jeanie you started to say something sweet
1: you're just talking about the uh, things going on over in palestine israel and it made me think of a movie it's actually a 2012 movie called the other son and it's yes. two young men one's Era- uh, israeli and one's palestinian and they discovered that they were accidentally switched at birth And so the Palestinian was raised by the Israeli family and vice versa. And when they find out that they were switched and and that they really belong to the other group and how they get together and they actually become friends and, and the struggles that, of course, the mothers on both sides want to meet their, not that they want to give up the son they've raised for 18 years, but they want to meet their birth son. And just get to know him. And the fathers, especially, have such issues because of the, the differences that are going on between the nations. And uh, so it's uh, pretty interesting that we haven't of seen course- it. It's called the Other Son.
4: Yeah, it's powerful. And of course, it's not anything to do with the issues really going on between the nations. It's the issues that the individuals themselves are carrying inside of them, unwilling to be responsible, and projection. You know, we, we live in a world where virtually everybody believes the only reason they're upset is because of something out there that's happening. And the truth is, if you're an upset, the only reason you're an upset is because there's upset in you. And if you want to be done with upset, then start to apply forgiveness to your upset. That's how you work through those things. And so, definitely bringing responsibility back home is always a key in the process of healing. There was someone yesterday, we did the Hear My Voice book club, and there's a young lady who ask the question about a particular thing in life and what, what do I do about that? And each show that we've done, the same question's been asked. And each show, when the question is asked, the answer is the same. You take the tools you've got, you put them to work. It amazes me over the years how many times I'll have somebody will come to me or, or on the radio show, and you know I've got this going on and I have all this upset and I I need some help I need some support. And it's like okay, so so my first question is usually well, how many worksheets have you done on that issue? Uh, uh, well, um, well, I haven't actually done anything about it yet. Oh, okay, but you're coming to somebody else to be supported in repairing. Uh, okay. So my input, my invitation is put the tools to work in your life. Make them so that they are first nature. They're just your automatic first response. When you do, then you step into new levels of power each time you use them. It's not knowing about the tools. I I love how Gandhi, you know, it wasn't much different back 80, 70, 80 years ago. And one thing Scandi used to say was, if you want potatoes, you've got to use the hoe. You know, simple ABC. You want healing? You have to use the tools for healing. You can't sit around and whine about what you don't want and expect it to change. And there are healing tools that will bring you into direct contact with what it is inside of you that needs to be dealt with. And as you do that, those dynamics change. And we're here to support that change. That's what thats what it's all about. That's what we're here for. So you're out there in listener land. What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your world? How can we support you? What's happening? Call in number, 563-999-3581.
1: Belinda has her hand up again.
4: Welcome back. Awesome, let's say hello.
1: You
3: just said something that triggered something for me. (laughs) I want to share it with you. When I was walking the Born Again Walk, I remember running across uh, just a little piece of message In one of my studies that for the Jewish mind, and I would say probably for the Aramaic mind as well, the word to know was always related to actual experience. For example, in the New Testament, it was said that in the Protestant New Testament, it was said, and Joseph knew not Mary until after Jesus was born in the Catholic one, of course it probably said and Joseph never knew Mary, but whatever. Because knowing that other person, the spouse, meant you were having sexual relations with them. And it was an experiential knowing, body knowing, motion knowing, head knowing. But if I say no in the Western culture, I'm all I'm saying is I believe and I think understanding or um uh trust uh which is part of understanding i would I would just guess this is how I use it as regulatory speech would be my heart knowing so head knowing is believing banking on that this information is so, what you call the evidence. <laughs> And uh, for me, knowing means to have a personal experience with. I can imagine that's why the wisest teachers in any faith will say, I know nothing. Mm
5: -hmm.
3: So I thought I'd share that with you. I just, that, that was very helpful. And I realized that I have been groping my way towards knowing my actuality all of my life. And I was lamenting being this quote-unquote old, and then I thought, well, maybe I'm really a fast learner, not a, not a slow learner. If I get it this time around, I would be very pleased with myself. I love it.
4: And that would be very appropriate because... You know, I, I don't remember who it was, somebody somewhere back there in antiquity wrote that a hundred million, million people live and die every century and never even know that they've lived.
3: They've mm-hmm. so, never even
4: experienced life. Yeah, yep, just an unfolding set of programs rather than an actual human life. Yes, we'll call those who just play out the programs the, the dead who bury the dead and the blind who lead the blind. Which is These invitations to wake you, up.
3: Precisely what you were saying when, you, when we say, I don't want. Um, very true. Thank you for weaving that all together.
4: Sweet. Well, what else is exciting in your world? Isn't, isn't that enough
3: for right now? I think it's really exciting. That's a good
4: start. Sure. Okay. <laughs> okay, we won't push you. <laughs> one,
3: one foot in front of the other. <laughs> one heartbeat in front of the other. One breath in front of the other. There you go. <laughs> All right. Blessing.
4: Awesome. Well, you have a blessed one. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. So if you're out there in listening, lane, come on, push one. Let's have a conversation, especially if we haven't talked to you for a long time or maybe we've never talked to you. And, you know, you don't have to give me your your actual name. If you want to call yourself Joe or Harry or Mary, it doesn't matter. But say hello. Push one. Just about your experience. What's happening in your world? How can we support you? Is there anything we can do to support you? Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. Well everybody's so quiet today. What's happening?
1: We have a hand up and I believe this is Miss Roma. We haven't heard from her in a while. Eight oh
5: eight. Oh, welcome. In. Aloha. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Oh, well. Good to hear your voice. Your friendly voices, My goodness. Oh, how do you well, What's I woke exciting? Up, oh, uh, well, I I woke up early this morning and I I like to listen to the BBC. Well, BBC's over by 5 and I I uh so I was listening to local radio this morning. It was um, a different announcer than it normally is and he um, he announced that there have been some more fires, so that kind of um, confirms my my intuitive theory. I didn't
4: quite hear you. That there had been what?
5: Fires, more fires in Maui. More of them. Somebody is setting fires here. I, I think I, I shared with you in, uh, at another last week or two weeks ago that we had a pyromaniac who was caught and jailed about five years ago. So, um, yeah, it took me a long time to figure out that I should press one because I—I <laughs> mean, you don't know what to I. Don't know what to do with this information with this reality uh, um, except just be really conscious and and aware
4: well, tapping into and holding to that active presence of love is a key piece in the puzzle, yeah, so we'll certainly join you in doing that and holding a space of safety for especially the mile, uh, island of Maui. It's yeah. horrendous to hear some of the stuff that's gone down there.
5: Tapping into that love, I, uh, you know, can occur on several different dimensions. It can occur mentally. Emotionally and physically, and uh, I have—I guess I think I have a preference for um, consciously choosing to make sure that the cells in my body are radiating that—that that love. <sighs> yeah, um.
4: it's important stuff.
5: Yeah. Uh, I I uh, I I I feel grief that this exquisite, beautiful place is, uh, you know, I, I I was just feeling like we were recovering from it. Until I heard that news about right. this morning. Gosh darn it. Wow. Well I hope they next layer find the of forgiving guy. grief. I uh, what what'd you say? About next
4: grief? layer of forgiving grief.
5: And fear. I mean fear
4: definitely is a true. big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh.
5: And and grief. So Here we hold the space the for the
4: healing of fear and grief.
5: Yeah. Oh, my
4: God. Oh. Breathing with you. Thank you. Notice where your body's tightening up. Notice where your face is tightening up. Let it soften and breathe into it.
5: You know, it's a weird thing because the facial expression of grief is very connected to the facial expression of joy. I just witnessed that. It's so strange. When you said that, I... Went there, and uh, right underneath that grief was the joy. So that's kind of odd. Uh, I'm always trying to make meaning out of everything. I, I <laughs> uh, well, it's well, maybe
4: weird. maybe underneath everything is that presence of joy, and when we're tapped into yeah. it then joy is going to be the expression even if things aren't going the way we want them to be going in the world. Yeah. It's very
5: strange. My body just wants to laugh and be happy. That's it.
4: Hmm, You should probably listen to that. Sounds like good advice.
5: What, What? What's good advice?
4: To listen to your body. Yeah. to bring happiness, to bring joy into the experience, whatever the experience is.
5: Well, you know, I I I get a lot of mail, and some of the mail I get is from some of the native Hawaiian cultures in the United States. And I have a great, great grandmother who was a Choctaw, I think, Indian, and... Uh, yeah, I I for some reason or other I've been tuning into that kind of primal energy. Um, and uh it it does carry an element of joy in it and it's a physiological sensation. Whew. Wow. uh I'm expanding. I can see my aura expanding. Ooh,
4: that's nice. Maybe that's what the island needs, is more people who expand the energy of joy around them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'll certainly join you from here.
5: Oh, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you.
4: Bristol, Virginia, beaming joy in your direction, the active presence of love aimed right at uh-huh. your heart.
5: Thank you so much.
4: Woo! You are so welcome. Oh. And as Dr. Oh. Tim would say, deserving. Okay. <laughs> cool. All
5: right, All right. holding well. space to your
4: heart. Lots of love and blessings.
5: Thank you much. Okay, aloha, everyone.
4: Aloha. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: We have 10 minutes.
4: Time flies when you're having fun. You know, yesterday we were talking about some of the dynamics of the non-being mind, and I had come across a a piece that um, Albert Einstein used to offer to people when they asked him, apparently a question Einstein got very often, especially when he would lecture at U.S. universities, was, do you believe in God? And he said that he believed in the God of Spinoza. We don't usually hear his first name, Baruch de Spinoza. He was a Dutch philosopher. And here's what, Spinoza wrote about the creator. And his offering is, God would say, so here, here's, here's God's lecture to us. Stop praying. What I want you to do is go out into the world and enjoy your life. I want you to sing, have fun, and enjoy everything I've made for you. Stop going into those dark, cold temples that you built yourself and saying they're my house. My house is in the mountains, in the woods, the rivers, the lakes and the beaches. That's where I live. And there I express my love for you. Stop blaming me for your miserable life. I never told you there was anything wrong with you or that you were a sinner or their your sexuality was a bad thing. Sex is a gift I gave you, with which you can express your love, your ecstasy, and your joy. So don't blame me for everything they made you believe. Stop reading alleged sacred scriptures that have nothing to do with me. If you can't read me in the sunrise, in a landscape... In the look of your friend's or your son's eyes, you sure won't find me in a book. Stop asking me. Will you tell me how to do my job? Scared me. I do not judge you or criticize you, nor get angry or bothered. I am pure love. Stop asking for forgiveness. There's nothing to forgive. If I made you, I filled you with passions, limitations, pleasures, feelings, needs, inconsistencies, free will. How can I blame you if you respond to something that I put in you? How can I punish you for being the way you are? If I'm the one who made you, do you think I could create a place to burn you and all of my children who behave badly? burn you there for the rest of eternity? What kind of God would do that? Respect your peers and don't do what you don't want done to you for yourself. All I ask is that you pay attention in your life. That alertness is your guide. My beloved, this is not a test. Not a step on the way. Not a rehearsal. Not a prelude to paradise. This life is the only thing here and now, and it is all you need. I have set you absolutely free. No prizes or punishments. No sins or virtues. None carries a marker. No one keeps a record. You are absolutely free to create your life, heaven or hell. I can't tell you if there's anything after this life, but I can give you a tip. Live as if there is not. As if this is your only chance to enjoy, to love, to exist. So if there is nothing after, then you'll have enjoyed the opportunity I gave you. And if there is, rest assured that I won't ask you if you behaved rightly or wrongly. I'll ask, did you like it? Did you have fun? What did you enjoy the most? What did you learn? Stop believing in me. Believing is assuming, guessing, imagining. I don't want you to believe in me. I want you to believe in you. I want you to feel me in you when you kiss your beloved. When you tuck your little girl into bed. When you caress your dog. When you bathe in the sea. Stop praising me. What kind of egomaniac do you think I am? I'm bored of being praised. I'm tired of being thanked. Feeling grateful? Prove it by taking care of yourself, your health, your relationship, your world, your neighbors. Fresh your joy. That's the way to praise me. Stop complicating things and repeating as a parakeet what you've been taught about me. What do you need? More miracles for? So many explanations. The only thing for sure is that you're here, that you're alive, and this world is full of wonders. Description, Baruch. And so often the so-called authorities have driven people into the ground with their fear and their condemnation, their punishing fantasies. Their own human fantasies projected into their brain's image of God. If in fact the ancient scriptures are correct and the Creator is love, then... You have nothing to be concerned about. So maybe today's a day to make a shift. Maybe today's a day to take your life to a new level, to a new place, to a new opening. If it is, then we're here to support you in that. And if it's not, then we're here to support you opening and recognizing what the possible is. Knowing who you are as an individual, knowing that you are the active presence of love, is not all you need to know to go out and function like it and throw off chains forgive any of those chains that have been wrapped around you that would tell you something untrue about yourself. Remember that if you haven't engaged in the forgiveness process yet, you can go to your app store on your phone and type in the word Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. You'll find the world's only forgiveness app, and there you can carry out the whole process of forgiveness, learn everything we've got. There are links to the website, to different articles. You can ask questions. You'll get answers. You can find that material on our website, whyagain.org. You can find dozens and dozens of videos on our YouTube channel. If you just go to YouTube and type in Michael Rice M I C H A E L R Y C E in a YouTube search bar, you find lots of videos. If you go to our website and click on the microphone in the middle of the page, drill down and you'll find over well over 4,000 hours of conversations about the forgiveness process from this radio show. And we join you in having the best year yet of your eternal life and recognizing that that's a gift that each of us has the right to bring to the world. Thanks for joining us. Blessings. Bye-bye.